When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now entering the Second Big Comics Podcast. Starring Mark Clare and Renzo Martinez. Spooktober concludes the only way we know how here of the Second Print Comics podcast. That's right. We're doing another list episode. But don't worry. I'm not alone like last week. Today, we've got classic Caleb Franz joining the program as we go ahead and give a rundown of our top five plus five honorable horror character mentions. So a top ten. We don't do numbers here. We just talk comics and characters. So without keeping anything away from you i'll go ahead and give one plug so that way you don't have to worry about it later on all you people sk- pressing the skip button you bastards please go ahead and keep us moving keep us going keep the spc community fresh and alive more alive than a zombie at least go ahead and support the show at patreon.com slash second print pod for exclusive episodes um you know uh meetups with mark and myself once a month and other uh hardcore fans of the show we're sending out graphic novels like we do to a 25 dollar and up patrons and you can even produce an episode for 50 dollars or more all that and more at the second print comics patreon at patreon.com slash second print pod caleb when it comes to horror comics there's so many characters there's so many great arts. So many, yeah. And there's so many ways we could have skinned this. So without talking to each other really prior about who was on our list, let's just talk about the methodology. Mm-hmm. What were you thinking when you were going ahead and picking your top five and then your bottom honorable mentions? Was it harder than you thought? Were you having a grasp for characters? Did you try to skew the horror genre? Because for me, I had to really look back and think, who can I think of if I think of somebody who I could pull out of a book and say, this is some classic Halloween type material since we are in the month of Halloween. I had to go ahead and struggle a little bit, but I think I've got a pretty good list. What was going through you during this process? I'm pretty happy with my list. Uh, all of them are, you know, I, I think a few of them might might be not necessarily obvious choices um, for uh, for lists like this. But I think when it comes down to it, all of them are either straight up horror characters 
or they are very clearly horror inspired um which in in my opinion deserves a a very uh, a very you know good placement on on a list like this especially by the uh, i i think for me the the methodology um outside you know we we have to i i have to say like we we kind of agreed largely to try to keep you know properties separate so that way we don't just have an entire list of ghostwriter characters uh throughout <laughs> throughout throughout this episode because that was kind of the danger so it's it's going to be pretty you know spread across properties and, and and spread across universes but i think that um some of them might not necessarily be the first pick for for some people um but i do think that uh that all of them um especially by the impact and the influence that they have on popular culture broadly um deserve a strong uh strong placement on this list yeah for for me i tried to really keep it within the self-contained horror genre itself but there are some characters who have been written in the horror genre and those Mm -hmm. are stories that that you know they they count still Mm -hmm. and in some cases they are better in the horror genre so and I just actually switched out somebody from my list just now. That's how hard this is. I was looking down at my list. And I was like, no, I got I got to bump this guy out and switch him uh, if I'm if I'm trying to assemble, a, you know, a, a straight up D1 team. But we'll go ahead and just start from the bottom up. And what, what Caleb and I decide is the top five characters is what will really rank. But the bottom five, I, I, I can make a case for switching them around. They were just a yeah. bit too loose. They're all good, but they weren't great. It's that bo- it's that top five that we're going to be fighting about later. And yeah. you can go ahead and connect with us a second pod on Twitter and let us know which of us you think had the better top five team and who you think may- maybe we made bad choices with the bottom five. Maybe we should have subbed some people in. You know, everyone wants Antonio Brown back on the Tampa Bay Bucks, but we can't always get what we want. So we're going to have to go ahead and just fight with fictional people. So we'll go ahead and just start from the bottom and work our way up. Caleb, you're today's guest. Go ahead and kick us off. Yeah, uh, my number 10 is the Green Goblin. The fuck? Uh, No. No. (laughs) No. Listen, he's got pumpkin bombs. Uh, I, okay, I think he that is the most Halloweeny. Of I the, think, yeah, of I the think he, he is actually a very, very Halloween inspired character. Um, and uh, while there are some other, you know, more obvious horror uh, uh, characters, um, I think that the amounts that he has uh, infused himself in popular culture, and all you have to do is look at Sam Raimi's very first Spider-Man film, as well as No Way Home. Uh, to realize just how terrifying of a villain, uh, especially when portrayed by William Defoe, uh, that he can be. So I am putting him at uh, at the bottom of the list, but on the list nonetheless at number ten. There, there are a few. Uh, like as I'm thinking about this, I'm trying to think like what were the most screwed up moments I remember, other than him killing Gwen Stacy. Which, if that's only what people have to refer to. The Green Goblin is his worst moment. Yeah, it's probably his worst moment, but he's had some pretty, pretty screwed up things throughout the years. There was a a Spider-Man series called Peter Parker Spider-Man from the mid 2000s. And this is what eventually leads up to Civil War, because this is where he finally gets arrested and outed as the Green Goblin. And basically he turns into the guy from Saw. 
Like he starts kidnapping people and like, you know, coming up with these horrible tricks and he's really like screwing with Spider-Man. I mean, it's the most, it's the most like horror villain esque move that Norman Osborn has ever gone for. He, he almost, he was almost written like the Joker in many ways. And that was really screwed up. And then probably one of my favorite recent green goblin stories is not as recent as some others it, it's by Risa. i mean really when i was really avidly reading uh spider-man books it was in the thunderbolts it was mm-hmm. um yep. i think it was escape from thunderbolt mountain or something where norman stops taking his pills or something and he turns into the green goblin <laughs> so you see all like these shield agents and other characters and in, in thunderbolts mountain they're like what's that you just hear ha 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 and he's going crazy because that's the first time he's put on the goblin suit in like a decade. So I could see it. I, I, I wish that Norman, because he did get um, he did get a series. I think he was part of the Ravencroft limited series. Ravencroft is the Arkham of Marvel. They tried mm-hmm. to do it as a as a horror series, um, but it didn't it didn't hit. It didn't you know hit the landing. I would like to see somebody really do like a hardcore like green goblin horror story even if they had to spin it out of continuity like make it a what if or something um i I think i think he's definitely due for that the potential is always has always been there well yeah he's he's easily the most halloween uh inspired uh spider-man villain and he is the spider-man villain he's his arch nemesis so as far as as far as characters that um are uh have have made such an impact into into popular culture while still remaining um pretty true to some of those horror horror elements that inspired them in the first place um i think that alone uh deserves a uh an honorable mention so mine is definitely a out of left field character and i'm okay. not saying that because i think people really disagree it's because this is a character that I grew up with. This was actually the first comic book series I went to the store and collected monthly. This is the Phantom. Have you ever heard of the Phantom? Uh, the Batman Phantom oh, or so, something else? So this is the – people might know him from the Billy Zane 1996 B movie, The Phantom. Guy yeah, in so purple this tights. Is, this is yeah. deep cut. <laughs> this is this is so like yeah. obscure. We're dealing with a character from the 1930s. At some point, some company in Australia, and this is when I started reading him. I started reading The Phantom in Australia because they had what they called news agencies, which is basically like a newspaper stand, and they had a comic rack. And on top of it, above Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, and Batman, they had The Phantom. And it looked different. It was basically what they were doing is they were taking stories from the 50s and 60s and they were basically reprinting them. When I was buying these and I still have them back to my parents, they're black and white. Like they are like real hardcore Silver Age stories. But at some point they started reprinting them and what they would do is they would print them out of order. It's so screwed up. They would print them out of order, but then they would have new stories in between it. So you could never really tell like what the continuity was. Like it was always really weird. But what I liked about the Phantom is basically the Phantom is a hero that comes from generations of other men who were the Phantom. So the Phantom mantle is passed down. And what they basically do is they fight pirates in the African coast because the Phantom's great, 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 great grandfather 
had a ship um, attacked and his family was killed and he washed up ashore. He was adopted by this native tribe and he basically vowed vengeance on all pirates and he became the ghost who walks. So he was actually created around the same time Batman was. So there's an actual dispute as to whether or not the Phantom does predate Batman Mm. and Zorro and a few of those characters. I think he came out after the spirit. So the Phantom, basically, he has no powers. There is no supernatural stuff in the Phantom's world. But what he does have is a lot of what I would classify as, I wouldn't call them like slasher stories, but it's usually him going after serial killers or stuff like that. If he's not Mm. going after pirates and like, you know, ivory poachers and stuff like that, he's going after people. And, And there was this one story that will kind of give you a, a flavor of the phantom. Basically he goes and um, he's talking about one of his relatives from like the 1800s who basically had to stop this mad scientist who was hiring people to go out and steal bodies. And what he was basically trying to do was he was trying to create a living corpse again. And he eventually fights the evil scientist and stuff like that. But he's been um, trying to solve the crime with this woman. And this woman who he ends up actually falling in love with and stuff actually turns out to be Mary Shelley. So in the book, he's talking about how one of his relatives had a thing with Mary Shelley and because of their whole adventure inspired Frankenstein. That's cool. And and there's a lot of stories like that. Like there's a lot of stuff where there was one called um, the Phantom versus the Vampires, where you have a serial killer who is going out and he's just obsessed with being like a vampire. So he's not a real vampire, but he's like biting people's necks and stuff like that. So it's a lot of a lot of horror inspiration in these mystery books. It's very much like that's a, a worthy grade, inclusion. Yeah. yeah, it's very much like a low grade Batman. But that shit scared me as like nine, ten years old. That's cool. Like those books, yeah. especially in black and white, the Phantom will always hold a place in my heart for that. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a very worthy inclusion. Yeah. So uh, let's get to the next one, number nine. Number nine for me is Nightmare, the villain that we all thought was originally going to be in Doctor Strange 2 and may still be in Doctor Strange 2. You know what's so weird? That is like one of the perfect choices, but he didn't come up for some reason in my mind. But that is Mm. perfect, though. I totally see that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the Freddy Krueger of comic books, basically. Uh, This, I think, is is a great villain. Um, I really love like dream and and psychological villains. Like, I, I think that if if you can do that and pull it off really well, it can be really strong and really powerful because you're dealing with uh, with with an entity that you don't really know how to actually defeat because it's not anything physical. It's very psychological. It's very mental. Um, and it makes for great uh, horror content. Um, so for me, my number nine is Nightmare. If you had to cast him in a movie, who would you who would you pick to play him? So um, I thought I thought about this a lot when yeah. it was rumored to take place in Multiverse of Madness. I would. It, it's, okay, so it depends on how much they are actually going to incorporate the Netflix stuff into the MCU, like the way that they have with Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio. But if that's about the extent of it, I would love to see someone like a David Tennant 
uh, take on take on Nightmare. Mm. I think that'd be great. And he I love David Tennant. He, I think he was he's amazing. A, he was a creepy purple man. Like yeah, he, he can, was. He can he be awesome. evil if he wants to be evil. He is an he is a fantastic actor, and I know that for a character like Nightmare, that would be right up his alley. So I, I've got somebody similar because he also played a Marvel character. But I was really hoping that maybe somebody would consider James McAvoy. Mm, interesting. Because, yeah, when, he, because of, when he was in that movie Split. Split, yeah. And Glass, like, he was full on psycho. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, I would I would enjoy that. So my, my guy is far from a psychological type of villain, but he's going to be a guy that fucks with people nonetheless. I chose Negan from The Walking Dead. No, oh, I completely <laughs> forgot to uh, to consider. Um, I completely forgot to consider The Walking Dead universe, but that is that is a worthy worthy ad, uh, addition to this to this list. Yeah, I, I almost chose the governor, and I I didn't choose the governor on this because if I'm going to compare the governor to Negan, Negan is way worse than the governor ever mm-hmm. was in TV and the books. Um, I mean, in the comics, he he he's even worse than he was in the um uh, in, the in, in the show. I don't like what they've done to Negan now in the show. I think yeah. they should have killed him. This whole redemptive arc, I think, is he's because become almost like an anti-hero uh, to some to some degree or a yeah. redeemed hero, kind of like Loki uh, in some some ways, the way that they've done him. Yeah, um, like you, you can't redeem. I'm not like up to date with that world. Uh, I I stopped watching it a while ago. I can't <laughs> watch it anymore. But uh, I I did really like that was probably for me the best section of the show was the uh where he lined everyone up and and uh started you know bashing heads and that was i i thought uh a, a really great villain introduction probably the best villain introduction of the entire show um, and i mean the casting of that yeah. as well i mean yeah it was... i loved i love jeffrey dean morgan he's amazing absolutely amazing that i i remember picking up the comic about a year before that came out that was around the time that the storyline in the book was almost catching up with the show and um i didn't think it would be as as brutal as it was in the comics but it was worse it was yeah. way worse and i like i'm not a person who's like turned off from violence or gore obviously i had to stop watching it for a good two years that when he killed Glenn and then when he killed the redheaded dude who I was finally starting to like, Abraham. I was Abraham. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I am, I am checking out. <laughs> like, this is so wrong. It was like watching an ISIS torture video. I'm like, mm-hmm. this is wrong on so many levels, but eventually I did catch up and I finally ended my walking dead experience when they, eventually did defeat Negan, but they kept him alive. And now from that was around the same time. Yeah. yeah, My my parents still watch it avidly, but they do Mm -hmm. it more out of obligation because they're like, it's just not the same anymore. But man, Negan, I don't think there are very few people in comics as outright evil as this man. He was actually, I think in my top, uh, my top five super villains list, about a year ago, he he transcends that. He is just so fucked up 
because he loves what he's doing. That, and I also found out in his backstory that he was a gym teacher. Mm-hmm. So a, a gym teacher that becomes like a warlord wannabe in a post-apocalyptic world, that's one of my worst nightmares. <laughs> yeah, that's terrifying for Rimzo specifically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that's that and clowns. Yeah, uh, that is a that is a very worthy inclusion. I I mostly actually I entirely have Marvel and DC uh, on on my list, but I I do think that if if there was anyone to to bring into uh, into this list outside of that, it would definitely be him. So just uh, uh, just when he's whistling at people, just yeah. Yeah, the Dave Chappelle skit, <laughs> where, he's, yeah. where he's killing off some of his other characters, like the crackhead. That's just that was that was comedy gold. That was that was the last SNL episode I watched. That was amazing. Um, number eight uh, for me is I included Raven uh, from Teen Titans, and uh, I think that one. this was like. When I I remember watching Teen Titans as a kid, um, which is probably outside of Batman, the animated series, probably the best animated adaptation, at least from that era um, of 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 any uh, comic book uh, storyline. And she like some of those episodes where she was she was the the main storyline through that that scared the shit out of me. Like there were some episodes where it was like, it was basically a, a haunted house episode of, um, in, uh, in the, uh, in the tower that absolutely scared the ever loving shit out of me. Um, and for that, I, I, high, I, I hold that in pretty high, uh, high regard. So for me, uh, Raven, I think is, uh, my number eight. Uh, that, um, storyline where Slade becomes mm-hmm. a where, where Deathstroke becomes like a servant of a Trigon, mm-hmm. like that is a scary episode. They straight up, they straight up like kill Cyborg in that mm-hmm. episode, and he comes back obviously, but like um, you know that was that that was a lot for that series. That was around the point where they were like, listen, like the kids can't keep fighting like no name B listers. Like this is the Teen Titans actually showing that they could do off like world ending shit and come out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, you know, like I said, I, I have far more, uh, Marvel characters on my list, uh, just because for me, Marvel was always the, the, the universe that, um, I fell in love with and, um, held an attachment with and got to know all the characters a lot more. So it's just more familiar for me, but the teen Titans, was a show that I absolutely loved as a kid. Um, and it was some of the scariest stuff that I remember uh, from my childhood was was some of the episodes on that uh, on that show. So Young Justice was really good about carrying that. And I think it's so weird that Young Justice has continued to be the sensation it has, especially among DC fans and fans of animation. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, like, titans on hbo max just cannot match that yeah like it feels like i'm watching a poorly made cw show yeah 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 i i haven't watched really any of the of the dc live action shows uh 
just because it's really hard for me the, to the only find one, any interest in it. Yeah, like the only one worth watching is Doom Patrol. Because <laughs> yeah. it's just so odd. Yeah. But Titans, my my brother Ryan loves Titans, and I can't I can't get on. And it's it's really sad because I actually like a lot of the actors that play the characters. My problem has been is that they basically turned it into like Gotham mm-hmm. without Batman again. And then when they do bring in Bruce Wayne, uh, the the guy they got was the was one of the guys from Game of Thrones. It just didn't make any sense. So it's like if you if you wanted to see like a live action version of Teen Titans or live action version of Young Justice, that is devoid. It's basically like if you got Teen Titans Go and made it entirely goth. It's just wrong. <laughs> the flavor is is not there. Like it's not appealing to anybody. And this uh, this recent season was what I really hoped it would get me back into it because I did not like season two and they, they had Deathstroke in it. And I thought, OK, how can you screw this up? But because you didn't really have much Deathstroke at all. And when you do have Deathstroke, it's not really that impressive. Manu Bennett, who played Deathstroke in Arrow, was far more horrifying and intimidating than the one in Titans. And the one in Titans looked cool at the beginning, but it didn't. It didn't settle well. So when they tried to rush the the Red Hood story arc, I'm like, if you make the Red Hood uncool, <laughs> like there there is no redeeming value. And that's what it was. Yeah. It was just really not not good to watch. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm surprised they're they're getting a fourth season and they're bringing in Brother Blood. But if you go ahead and look at his costume, I think somebody shared it in our um, fan group on Facebook. It looks so bad. It looks like a Halloween costume from Halloween store or something like that or Halloween Depot, whatever a spirit Depot or whatever, like wherever you can buy like the overpriced, like flimsy, like fabric shit for Halloween for a costume. That's what it looks like. It's just bad. Okay. You so got for your eight. So I, I actually am a defender of Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Mm. I know people okay. hate that movie. But I think it's got kind of a cult following. It is pretty bad. I will admit. I I I like I do like the first one. Um, Some of the uh, like the storyline. okay, fine. And and the acting is is not always great. But there are some pretty like hard moments in that in that movie that I just love. I, I remember watching a clip from it where he's breaking out of the cell and like the music in that is just awesome. Um, but Spirit of Vengeance is is a bold take, I will say. Yeah, I mean, Spirit of Vengeance is like if they tried to do a serious Ghost Rider movie with the first one, Spirit of Vengeance was they were just like, okay, we gave we gave Nick Cage <laughs> too much power. But um, you know, the, the one of the I did enjoy whenever um, whenever he was uh, you know, narrating and says the the devil takes many forms, and then up pops a picture of Jimmy George, Carter and George Bush. <laughs> yeah. Was that was, multiple. that was very funny. Yeah. There was, um, there, there was a, he was kind of a B character in that movie cause he's not the main villain, but blackout, um, the vampire mm-hmm. has always been like one of those characters that is just so, so screwed up. He appears in the first issue of, um, Ghost Rider in 1992 when Danny Ketch is brought in as Ghost Rider. And he's really Danny's arch, arch nemesis. 
other than, um, you know, uh, uh, Night Death or whatever the hell's name is. The guy who's actually supposed to be the bad guy ends up actually not being that much of a threat compared to Blackout. But Blackout is, as later he would be revealed, Blackout's half demon. And mm-hmm. what they try and say is that demons are the source of vampires in the Marvel Universe. So not only is he a half demon, but he's a he's a vicious serial killer. Um, Mark and I did an episode covering uh, Ghost Rider Rides Again in, um, I think, last year's uh, Spooktober. And like he's murdering people. And you don't often see this in Marvel books, especially in that era, even in like the grungy hardcore 90s. You didn't have characters, especially villains, murdering people. But in the first couple issues, like he murders a family for fun. Then he goes ahead and just is murdering random people. And it's like this guy is straight out of a, a Wes Craven movie. Like he's Freddy versus Jason level of a serial killer. And you don't really have many people like that. I would say the bullseye is the only one who genuinely like is a psychopath. But what's crazy is later in that Ghost Rider um uh, series he eventually does kill uh danny's sister who's comatose in the hospital and when you see it it's just like this is this is rough like he goes in and he just bites her throat out and stuff and he has really been relegated to being more of like a goofball character like he's not as threatening in in the past 10 years when they have brought him up he's always a henchman type but blackout is just like he he is straight up horrifying. Like if there's ever a bad guy where it's like this guy ha- actually has the potential to really like kill the hero and get away with it. Like he's I, I always think he's been severely underrated. I would love to see Blackout in the Marvel Cinematic Universe done right. I would love to see him if maybe it, hopefully if they bring back Ghost Rider. I would love to see Blackout. Which is only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. At this point, like Like, I I think he was good. I think he he looked cool, and he was a pretty formidable villain in Spirit of Vengeance. People don't remember that. I think they could bring Blackout back as a main antagonist in a Ghost Rider movie. I even think they could pull off making him an overall bad guy in a Spirits of Vengeance film or something like that. Like he has he has a tier villain potential. And if you let him just be evil, like not not gimmicky, like a road to redemption evil, Blackout's bad. Like somebody's got to take him down. Like he has the potential to actually be the guy that can bring the real horrorness into the horror era of the MCU. Did you ever play the the video game, the Ghost Rider video game uh, as a kid? Yeah, I had that on the DS. I I had it on my my PSP, and that was one of my favorite games like ever. Like it was so much fun, and it it really uh, that was when like it was right around the time that obviously the first Ghost Rider movie came out, and um, <laughs> I feel like we're <laughs> we're falling into the trap of <laughs> the Ghost Rider character. We're trying hard, um, but uh, but. Uh, I really got into like the Ghost Rider lore during that time um, so much. And I just loved every second of it, even if the the movie itself wasn't as great, even though I have a certain soft spot in my heart for it. But like, I think the world that they built and the villains that they had. And I think that this is something that Marvel does really well, is that 
I find that a lot of studios, when they try to tackle vampires, they fall into the pit of just trying to make them like seductive and sexy. When in reality, they're supposed to be horrifying. And I think that that's always been something that Marvel has done especially well. Like they've always taken like the vampire world very seriously. Um, and uh, I think to your to your point, like Blackout was one of those one of those characters, both in the game and in the comics that I, I really got into um, a little bit underwhelmed with him in Spirit of Vengeance. I'm not as favorable it's, about it. It's as, not his. As it's you, not his but, best uh, outing. Yeah, but I, I do think that uh, that is a, a very worthy uh, inclusion. Yeah. I know people are going to be like spirit of vengeance, but it's like, you know, if you watch that movie after cracking up, after cracking open a six pack, <laughs> like it, it is a fun movie. And that was the first time I saw a movie in theaters with my brother. And we both walked out and we're just like, that's not good. <laughs> like, that's just, that's not good. But I, I saw it about a year ago on TV. I was just flipping through the channels and I'm like, this is so stupid. Like, yeah. it's, it's stupid. Good. It's got that, like, you know, mystery science theater potential to it mm, yeah um so number seven uh i'm uh, i'm cheating a little bit on this i'm splitting up uh a very specific world and and the marvel universe uh and dividing it between two uh two large groups or characters but i was going to include venom in my list but i realized that it was kind of difficult to just limit it to one so i'm just saying the symbiotes largely um is my number you, seven you wouldn't go a step further and say um who was the symbiote god well that, I'm, I'm getting there okay <laughs> that's okay. why i'm splitting this up um but for for right now i think the symbiotes are no are, that was his name no yeah yeah i the symbiotes i think are i mean it's basically like it's kind of like alien in in the marvel universe you know mm -hmm. it's it's like very horror inspired it's it's sci-fi um of course you have carnage with the serial killer uh where he's like literally just evil um and then uh really all the symbiotes are very horror inspired to the to the to the level of like alien and um it calls back to a lot of a lot of those uh those types of uh films um so for me that is my um that is my number seven is is the symbiotes largely i'm sorry if it's not a specific character but i feel like they all kind of uh they all kind of overlap to some extent that it's it's enough of an overlap to where i can kind of lump them all into one one grouping so, so while todd mcfarlane did not create the symbiote black suit that first appeared in secret wars do you ever think he anticipated how crazy developed the character of Venom would actually be. Probably not because, you know, I, I mentioned like, you know, we're trying to keep it to one universe. I already mentioned the, or one property per, uh, I already mentioned the green goblin. Um, but I don't, at this point, I really don't consider the symbiotes to be just purely a Spider-Man property. This, I think it's Spider-Man. Yeah. Right it, it really has like, it's, it's still connected. It still has one foot in the Spider-Man world, but it's very much its own thing uh, at this point where you have um, where you have uh, some of the characters of the symbiotes going head to head with like Thor and like all these other characters in the Marvel Universe. It's very much its own thing. And every time 
it's very horror inspired. Um, so I, I think that, uh, I think that, that Venom and the symbiotes are, are my Venom Carnage and the symbiotes. If, if there's anyone that I think is the most horror inspired, it's probably Carnage. Oh yeah. Um, but Carnage uh, is like Jeffrey Dahmer. With Venom. <laughs> yeah. Like, like that's yeah. just basically it. Like if Carnage was the first guy who was like evil down to like his core and was yeah. unashamed of it. Yep. Um, so so that's my that's my number seven. Okay, mine is I, I feel bad including him, but it, and here's the only reason why because I haven't watched the show yet. I'm talking about Morbius, uh, you know the, the 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 King of Dreams from the series Sandman by Neil Gaiman. I, I've had a long I journey. Thought you were going to say Morbius the Living Vampire. Uh, no, <laughs> and well, I was I think, like, I, think, I thought I'm sorry, you not, did watch not that. Morbius. I'm sorry, no, Morpheus. Morpheus. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, okay. no, I, I actually uh, on my list, um, I, <laughs> I replaced Morbius with Sandman, oh, okay. uh, which is why I had it in my mind. But yeah, Morpheus. Uh, you know, King of the Dream World from Neil Gaiman, Sandman. That was always just a book that was way too tough for me, man. Mm. Like it was always a bit complicated. The only the only way I was able to ever go through a full volume of Sandman was when we did it here for Second Print Comics. I got the uh, the audio book version from Audible, which is really good because it, it's more of a it's more of like a drama. Uh, the way they read it, they have different voice actors for different characters. And I mean, just the stuff in in Sandman, if it's not always outright horrifying or scary, it's just so trippy. Sandman is easily one of the trippiest books ever written. And I'm I'm excited to watch Sandman because here in Wisconsin, because the winters, everyone says, don't watch your favorite Netflix shows until you can't walk outside your front door. So I'm waiting to watch Sandman because I'm just going to binge it all at once. But, um, you know, it's. I, I have nothing more to say other than Morpheus. Uh, yeah, no, he he definitely had to qualify for my list. It would be it would be wrong if I didn't include him, especially after doing an episode about him. I think last October, ironically. All right, so my my the one that's rounding it out for my uh, bottom five honorable mentions is uh, a very fresh MCU character. Uh, I'm going with Man Thing. Oh, fresh in the MCU. Yeah. Uh how is it Man Thing looks more fucking realistic than She Hulk? <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> that was that the was... only thing going through my mind. It's like, how did they make Man Thing look real, but She Hulk has those dead eyes? It's yeah, I, I we <laughs> that that's an entirely separate conversation. Folks, you're that... gonna have to listen to the Patreon review of Werewolf by Night if you want this <laughs> deep cut. Okay, but uh, but uh, I I think Man Thing was the first, really the first horror character uh, in in comics that I really just just thought was just so awesome, uh, and it's a really original horror character uh, as well. It's not like you know one of the other rules that uh, that you and I uh, came up with was like that it can't be like characters that exist outside of comics. So, mm-hmm. so like no Dracula. No uh, werewolf by night is pretty much like werewolf. Wolfman. You know, yeah. it's that's 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 kind of cheating. Um, they have to be original uh, to 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 a certain degree to to the comic book properties that they're coming from. Um, Man thing 
while he is very horror inspired, uh, he also um, is completely original and and I think he is an, an awesome character. So I'm I'm putting him uh, at number five. Or excuse I, me, number six. Sorry. I I have really no clue who who Man Thing is because I always I always got him confused with Swamp Thing. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's and that's the I thing, love. Like, I I I could be wrong. I think Man Thing came first because um, I know that like you know they Marvel and DC copied each other constantly mm-hmm. throughout uh throughout uh the uh latter half of, of the night of the uh, 1900s and um there's tons of direct like you know even even the writers themselves <laughs> would switch houses constantly i think man thing was first but like those are two characters that like almost to a t look exactly alike yeah i mean with, with swamp thing he's got human eyes that's mm-hmm. the one difference. He's got human eyes and he can talk and man thing. And I'm curious to see where they're going to go with this because they named him Ted in werewolf. Which I, I was, thought was very, that was, that was funny, but like um, man thing in the comics doesn't have a name because he was never a person. Whereas yeah. uh, swamp thing is Dr. Alec Holland who became man thing and swamp um, thing. Y- you swamp thing. Yeah. See, I, I, I fuck it up. Man thing swamp <laughs> thing. They, one of them had to drop the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I, I of of all the live action DC properties that came out in the past couple of years, Swamp Thing on on well, it used to be uh DC Unlimited or whatever. Now it's all on HBO Max. The first season of Swamp Thing was really fucking good. Mm. Like that was really good. And I am I don't I know why. They said it was because of budget issues, but you're gonna keep Titans, but you're not gonna bring back Swamp Thing. Like that that seems like an odd, odd choice. So yeah, I, I get it. I, 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 I love the way he looks like I want to yeah, see it's more a of that. great look for, for a horror character, uh, a straight up Marvel monster. Like that is awesome. Like that's exactly, I think that like horror is absolutely the, the direction for the MCU that they need to take it to keep it alive and fresh without it being kind of cringe uh the way that some of the other properties have become um and uh i think the more in that direction that they had the more solidified and the more relevant that they're going to continue to be i i I totally agree with that my my next guy might be potentially getting his second introduction to popular culture uh and i think I think Todd McFarlane is actually serious this time. I don't think he's pulling our leg like oh. he's been for the last couple of years. But uh, my number five on this list is The Violator from Spawn, mm. purely because I am freaking afraid of clowns. I can't do it. When John Leguizamo played The Violator in, um, in the 1998 Spawn movie, which I still argue is not as horrible as people say it is. But then again, I also have horrible taste in films for the people criticizing me because of Spirit of Vengeance. Um, like John Link was almost straight up like Italian John. I'm not Italian, but like, you know, part Italian, you know, like, like he's okay. He's minority John Wayne Gacy. I don't know who where John Leguizano is from, but what I do know is that he is straight up like sick he is horrifying. He is John Wayne Gacy with the power of a demon. 
Like he in his in his like humanoid form, he's horrifying. In his demon form, he is horrifying because not only does he mess with you in like a psychological level, but just like physically, like he can beat Spawn. Mm-hmm. And that's just crazy when you think about it. In the uh, Spawn animated series on HBO Max, um, well, back then it was just HBO. Now it's on HBO Max. People want to watch it. Like it is haunting how how that character is, and he is so close to how John Wayne Gacy was as a real life serial killer. It's often hard for me to split the two of them. So the Violator. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I watched Spawn the first time on FX when I was 12, staying home from school. And that screwed me up for the entire rest of my week. <laughs> like, I already <laughs> had a clown problem. I always hated clowns. Clowns freaked me out. You show me a killer clown with the That's power. That's a great name devil. for a, for a, for a villain. Yeah, I mean, the just violator, the violator that... because you just feel wrong. Mm-hmm. Like you're just like, oh, uh, this guy is just messing with you on every level. Yeah. Yeah. All right, top five. You wanna go? Yeah. Start us off. So I gotta I gotta check my list real fast. So um shit, do I wanna include this guy? I ha- okay, I-, I have to argue about my my fifth real fast. One second. Um, I'm okay. I know. Okay, so here's my top five. Number five is Blade. Number five is Blade. Number five is Blade. Wow, that's now, uh... now. If we now if we change the list, and this is why I was really debating. And here's my here's my preface. If it was top five horror heroes protagonists Uh, blade would be in a top three but if we're just going based off generic horror properties i have a good list of heroes and villains um and you know morpheus is like an anti-hero they they all they're all kind of anti-heroes but blade i wouldn't even call blade an anti-hero he just really doesn't blur the line he's only killing vampires Mm -hmm. but um blade is just he's Blade is one of the most original Marvel properties, if you really think about it. It Other than like the X-Men, the Fantastic Four, and Spider-Man. Blade is – Blade has – I've always been upset that he has not been up there as much. And it's crazy because he's the reason why superhero movies are as popular, if you really think about it, in the modern era. We have to leave out um, Tim Burton's Batman. We have to leave out Christopher Reeve's Superman. We're just talking like the modern era, like treated seriously. It's Wesley Snipes' Blade. But I think because he was marketed towards a PG-13 R-rated audience, it wasn't until very recently when they wanted to bring him back into the MCU that they really started treating him like he's actually part of this shared universe and my first appearance my, my first exposure blade as i discussed a couple weeks ago in our blade versus dracula episode was the 90s anime and spider-man series yes and he was crazy yes. awesome i'm like that yes. dude freaking rocks yeah that first of all that show was awesome um for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'll hold my commentary on Blade because he's a little bit higher on my list. Oh, you have him higher? Okay. Yeah. yeah. A lot one of us does because I feel bad having him here, but I feel like I I feel like for, for the rest of my round out, I'll I'll make it up. So yeah, Blade. I've never read a Blade comic where or a comic with Blade where he wasn't the coolest person in the room. I love uh I did did you ever watch the uh the more re- or excuse me uh did you ever read the more recent uh, Marvel Zombies uh comic run? No. No, I feel bad for not doing that. I have never yeah. been able to get in the Marvel Zombies as much as I have with Deceased. Right. We 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 talked we texted about this earlier like Deceased is like actually a great story. Uh whereas Marvel Zombies is more of a I, I think you called it like more of a satire, which is I, I think I've pretty always, accurate. I've always said it was like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, movie. I mean it's it's yeah. not like great storytelling. It's very entertaining and very it's fun. fun yeah. But um, but no, he's he's kind of like the the leader of that group, which I thought was always a very a very good uh, good way to uh, to include him in that storyline. But again, I'll I'll save my Blade commentary for later. My number five is. As you alluded to earlier, Null the Symbiote God. And this guy is fucking terrifying. Like, he is everything in all of the symbiotes that should just make you just have the heebie-jeebies. And if you haven't read The King in Black, that comic series, I think, um, along with uh, another comic series that I'm going to mention here uh, and within my top five here uh, is probably one of the best that Marvel has come out with in quite some time. I would say that King in Black is Marvel's best crossover event since 2008 Secret War. I'm sorry, Secret Invasion. Mm, yes. We're going yeah. back a f- like a, more than a decade. It's it the is. Best in Secret it Invasion. is so good. It is dark, like dark. And you understand why he is the king in black and why he's such a terrifying like he goes toe to toe with the silver surfer and just like decimates him constantly uh, early on. Like he's taking over celestials. He comes from uh, a, a region where light is just non-existent, basically like he is a he's a great character a great horror character um specifically and a great original character uh which is something that i i love that marvel did because too often at especially today we're just like let's just reskin this person but make him fill in the blank um yeah i i don't remember if he was made by by donny cates or al ewing i think it was donny cates but i'm pretty sure I he appeared think in, it was yeah, yeah. I, I think he appeared in silver surfer black 
Yes, yes. That yeah. that's what I'm referring that to. That yeah. was I mean, that alone it was a terrifying yeah. experience. Yeah, yeah, and that and that story doesn't have a good ending either. No. Like that was that was a real like uh, when I say strange, I'm not downplaying it. It was a strange move to introduce him that way. But mm-hmm. I think you can only really go as far as to mess with a character in a way that you couldn't do that with Venom or a, an A-list character. I've never considered the Silver Surfer A-list. B-list, but high B-list because he's cool. But what they did with that, that really showed us how like just straight up evil Null mm-hmm. was. So when he eventually did show up to be more of a the focus of uh, Donny Cates Venom series, and then they hinted at the same thing in Donny Cates Thor, and then eventually they did King in Black. Um, I mean, he he's the only person other than like Ultron himself who <laughs> has made half the Marvel heroes catatonic. Mm-hmm. Like he's straight up like they're they're terrified of him. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that is uh, I think that is a very strong contention. So I for me, that is uh, I'm I'm putting him in at uh, number five. He's still pretty relatively new as a character uh, compared oh, he, to he made his he made his footprint felt. But he he especially made his footprint felt. Yeah. Um, all the rest are pretty on my list are pretty well established characters. This is definitely the most recent. Um, but the fact that he's so high on my list and he's still something that is <laughs> so recent, I uh, should tell you that he's he's uh, no one to mess around with. Uh, that I mean, that that's a that's a great pick. Yeah, no, for a top five that I totally see it. Yeah, um, I, I guess the only reason why for me, I wouldn't put him there. And I guess maybe it kind of fits into the top 10. Like I have real moments where I look at these characters and it's like, you know, a lot of them I was reading when I was a kid, early teen. Like there are moments that stick with me. I yes. think maybe if, yeah. I, if I had read the story when I was younger, it probably would have stuck with me. I think, I think we're going to see, I think Noel's going to come back. I think we're going to see something even crazier than King and black. I think, I think his best stories will still come. I think there's, yeah. I think Marvel would be stupid not to do more with him. He's a popular character. And I think that, um, you know, that was easily one of their best runs that they've done in the past few years. Uh, and, uh, I, I, I'm not going to call it the best, uh, I'll get to my, my favorite recent run shortly, but, uh, I, I do think that, uh, if, if they don't bring him back, then, then they're (laughs) insane. Like this is, this is great. Yeah. Yeah. My, my number four is kind of similar to one of your bottom five, but, um, I, I, I'm throwing him in simply on shock value alone. Oh boy. the Demogoblin. Oh, yes. The Demogoblin. Yeah, I I considered <laughs> him. Um I I wanted to have I, I I thought the Green Goblin was a better fit just because of his impact. Yeah. Um but if you're going on just pure like like horror, you know, themes that are going on, that that's a fairly worthy inclusion. I, I don't know. I don't know much about the Demogoblin other than he's basically Hobgoblin from hell. Yeah, and yeah. He, um, he everywhere <laughs> yeah. he goes, like it's like Spidey will taunt the other goblins. Yeah, he's straight up, he does not know what to do with the with the Dima Goblin because he throws it right back at him. But um, 
you know, he, I, I read him first in a Ghost Rider crossover with Spider Man, and then for right. like, I read that years ago, and then he was also in Maximum Carnage, which we did for the show. It was like one of our first ten episodes or so. But I, I remember, um, like, I always remember seeing him. It's like that guy's just too much. That's mm-hmm. too much even for Marvel to have a hobgoblin from hell. But one of my one of my personal favorite comics is uh, Darkhawk issue one because it was basically a teenage superhero for the nineties, and I thought, okay, like they're kind of treating him like a kid, though they he has the potential to do so much more and be like a real hero. He was kind of like Spider Man some way, so I really like Darkhawk. And uh, at the end of his first issue, when you're like, oh, they're going to make him fight some like B-list villains and he'll have some cute team ups like what they do with all the teens. It's like, you know, we can't make it too scary. Wrong. They throw in the Demogoblin at the end of his first issue and they're like Darkhawk versus the Demogoblin issue, too. And I'm just like, isn't that like throwing him into the deep end like he just got his superhero training wheels off like this is kind of <laughs> fucked up and in the next issue where eventually he fights the demon goblin like you're like oh this is like a teen titans level equivalent like you know they're not gonna do this no it is horrifying i'm like if i suddenly became a superhero and the first real <laughs> villain you pit me up against is the demon goblin <laughs> i am going to shit myself that is wrong in so many ways but it just set me there because, you know, as, as a teenage hero, I'm looking at him as the reader and I can find a lot of things or I can find the similarities. Yeah. But then when they throw in the Demogoblin, not as the villain of the whole thing, but as they show that he was doing some stuff behind the scenes. And then because Darkhawk is now in his business fighting his crime ring, because I don't know who the hell would say yes to working for Demogoblin, but somehow people did. When they show <laughs> him at the end of it, I'm just like, what the hell? <laughs> that is – I I love that moment. It's one of the few moments yeah. in comics where I've just been like, oh, shit, don't do this to him. <laughs> that's that's a worthy inclusion. Um I uh, I I still needed to I I still felt like like I needed to as far as the goblins go I felt like I needed to go with the uh, the classic one uh, and my personal favorite character uh, in in comics uh, as at least for villains um, but my number four for horror now this might start uh, a little back and forth between us but I am going with the Joker. And the reason for this I is I don't disagree as much I as think, you might think. Well, I think that for a few reasons, there are a few very specific comic runs with the Joker that are straight up horror. Uh, and Batman is essentially a horror universe. Uh, yeah. Gotham and, and Batman it is horror and crime noir mixed into one. And this it, makes more sense than you picking Green Goblin. <laughs> Green Goblin was more of a fun pick for me. Like yeah. he, he was like a he is a very Halloween inspired character. He is literally jack o' lanterns as bombs. Um, but like Joker is more of a serious like pick for this because he is the incarnation of 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 horror villains. I think, and more more specifically, he's basically every Edgar Allan Poe story about insanity thrown into one comic book character, uh, <laughs> which I think is, you know, Edgar Allan Poe is one of my favorite, uh, if not my favorite uh, 
novelists uh, or uh, fiction writers, and um, and Joker is in pretty much, aside from Jared Leto, uh, pretty much every every iteration of him, he's terrifying in his own way. Um, I think that uh, that the Joker is one of the all time greats of characters. But especially when you look at him through the lens of a horror character, uh, if you made like a horror movie joke about the Joker, it would like people would would eat that up because it it would be it would make sense. It's it's like the Joker is a horror character in my mind, and which is what makes him such a great Batman villain, because Batman is the and is the like archetype hero of like justice in an unjust world whereas joker is just the opposite where he is the perfect incarnation of chaos uh in in a world striving to be better and he's that that symbolism of just dragging the world back down to his level um and i can't think of anything more more horrific uh than that yeah i mean Bat- batman the long halloween um definitely verifies that Batman is always going to be in the horror genre, whether you really identify it or not. And and I mean, the killing joke, which we covered last month on the show. um, I mean, that itself is like straight up, straight up horror, which is why the, um, the animated, the, what's the, um, sorry to cut you off. What's the, um, the, the comic line where he literally, puts his face oh back on my as a god mask. yeah that was like that was saw level insanity right. death in like, the family to me to me that is like okay if you had any death doubts in the family before, death of the family right yeah if you had any doubts before this is like yes joker oh, when he, is, when is he a cut character. his face off when he cut his freaking face off but then he staples it back on mm-hmm. it's like that is sick like you know, he was always sick, but when he did that, that was sick. There was um my my recent favorite Batman story is Batman Three Jokers, uh, yes. by Jeff Johns. But and there's a scene in there where it's just it, it feels voyeuristic because I felt bad reading it. It's where they kidnap Jason Todd, and the three Jokers are taunting him, but then they start beating him naked again and it's like this guy cannot get a break but then when they go ahead and they put his mat his helmet on him as they beat him but then they go ahead and get the lipstick and put a joker smile on him and they leave him there it's like that is wrong like that is like reading that like i've never felt more bad for the character of jason todd i feel bad for batman who has to (laughs) deal with him again it's like you know i it's not it's not a it's not as much it's not it's not a reach to say that the joker is a horror villain it's not yeah i mean like when i mean in and even in his movies you know you you don't have to even look at his comics uh to really see the horror tones you can just watch any movie that he's in again i mean he, he's taking the, suicide squad out of it i mean uh, he's like a, in the dark night he's jigsaw from saw he's yeah. basically jigsaw in, in the dark night yeah, in the Dark Knight, he is he is actually terrifying. Uh, and I remember, you know, we were both very young whenever that came out uh, at first, and um, 
there were some like legitimately intense scenes in that film, uh, kind of pushing the boundary for for what PG thirteen is. Yeah. Um, you know, in in some ways, he's like seven. You know, in in uh, in the movie Seven, um, and I think that all of those things thrown into one just makes him just a perfect perfect horror villain. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you on that one. So now I'm, now I'm in the heroes territory. This is where I got to go ahead and rack and stack my heroes spawn. Dude. I didn't really know who spawn was for decades, but I remember seeing the toys and for people to say, Oh, that's the hero. I'm like, you cannot convince me that that guy is the hero. <laughs> it wasn't until I saw spawn that I'm like, this guy is Batman, the Punisher, Venom, all wrapped up in one. He is the most like overpowered. He's one of the most overpowered heroes in all of comics. And I loved it when they went ahead and included him in a few editions of Mortal Kombat because, I mean, he just fits in with that. Uh, Al Simmons, uh, former, uh, you know, uh, special operations guy turned mercenary, you know, dies, gets sent to hell, gets sent back to earth to be one of like the <laughs> devil's like freaking, um, you know, minions. I, I have multiple issue ones of spawn. I have, I have an actual issue one of spawn, but I also have uh, a director's cut of spawn with, a, with additional uh, in page commentary by Todd McFarlane. He is, he, he is, he is, he is such a nightmarish character that people, look at him and he still has the stigma of is that the bad guy because they don't know about it. because just seeing him it's like you you know he's the good guy but how good are we talking about it's just <laughs> yeah I, I i love spawn uh gunslinger spawn i collected it for almost a year i i think i think the spawn books are hard to get into that's my only criticism. The spawn books have always been hard for me to get into. And uh, I, I've collected a lot of the spawn books purely because I liked McFarlane's covers. But uh, as a character, I mean, spawn in my top three, maybe it's because of his, you know, his fights with the violator who I included as my, as my number five. Um, yeah, no, hard, hard to find a character scarier than spawn. I uh, don't have Spawn anywhere on my list, mostly because I don't know that much about him. Um, he was always a character that I kind of was very curious about, but never, never dove into myself. Um, Spawn is the crystal meth of is... violent comic book characters. In Spawn <laughs> issue five, this actually got McFarlane in a lot of trouble in 1995 or 1996. In, in Spawn issue five, he kills a pedophile by skinning him alive and hanging him in his home. That's fine. That, that is straight up like one of the most haunting thing, haunting visuals ever in comics. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I, like I said, I don't, I don't have uh, I don't have spawn or any of his characters on my list. Um, but uh, all of my, all of my characters from here on out um, are Marvel characters. Uh, and the next one, I think, might be the most controversial, but I have a very, very More controversial good... than the Green Goblin. Maybe it depends on <laughs> it depends on your outlook on it. I still think that the, the Green Goblin is a very worthy inclusion. Um, but I I think the next one uh, it being in the top three might be controversial, but I am putting the Hulk 
in my top three. And here's why. You got to get very, very, very specific. There are two very specific reasons. First of all, this is the most horror-inspired mainstream hero uh, that is like on the lineup of the Avengers uh, that has infused itself that some people don't even realize it, but like at the end of the day, when the Hulk is like truly the Hulk, not like smart Hulk or, or anything like that, but like his Disney like Hulk. raw self, he's a horror character. And he is basically Dr. Jackal and Mr. Hyde mixed with Frankenstein. And he's not just a horror character, but like direct inspiration from like the universal Marvel uh, monster uh, movies, like, OG horror uh, that is some of the classic stuff that like I absolutely love. So that alone, I think, warrants him on the list somewhere uh, of being just like so, so closely uh, connected to those original horror inspirations. However, what really puts him on my number three is the Immortal Hulk storyline, which is my favorite Marvel storyline that has come out probably uh, in the past decade. Um, and this story is straight up horror because that's the only way that you can truly write the Hulk and, and have it be like an effective story. Some people try to reinvent him. Some people try to be like, Oh, what if he was smart? What if he was, you know, all these different characters? No, the only way that he truly works and those those things can be fun you know it's fun for to see the hulk as like a hero and it's fun to see the hulk be all these different things but the only way that you really get to understand just how great of a character is he is is when the writers fully dip their toes into like all right this guy is going to be a horror character and that's what they did in the immortal hulk storyline where they literally bring him down and throw him into hell <laughs> and and bring him back and you've got all these body horror homages and and you have like hearts being ripped out and 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 all of these things he, and he ate like the legs and the arms of like the, this this ra it wasn't the radioactive man but in like issue three of the immortal hulk where he traps that dude in that in that yes. old mine yes and he just leaves him there it's like yeah that is so wrong the Immortal Hulk storyline, I think, is I think it's actually not it's not like it's not like sadistic uh, yeah, the way that some horror can can dive into. And I'm not like I'm not a fan of that type of horror, um, but it's, it's not like out just of bounds horror. But no, it's, it's pushing not. the envelope, but it is pushing the envelope. And I think it is very much in tone in the right tone for like what the Hulk should be. I remember as a kid. The Hulk was the only hero that I was like legitimately terrified of. Um, I I wasn't scared of like Spider-Man or uh, or even like a character like Wolverine who kind of pushes the envelope sometimes. But, you know, he was more just badass than he was like horrific. Um, whereas the Hulk, I was like, 
I don't know if I he, he never watch know this. his intention. Kind of, yeah, this is kind of terrifying. Like this guy would kill me if he was just on a rampage, and that's the intention. That's the way the Hulk should be. Like in the original 2008 um, Immortal, uh, excuse me, uh, Incredible Hulk film, he's a terrifying character uh, when it comes down to it. Like you like clench whenever you see him on screen in his full raged out mode. Um, that's because he is he is a monster. He's not he's not a hero. He's a monster. And that I think because he's able to penetrate culture so much, despite the fact that he is such a horrifying character uh, on top of like those original horror inspirations of of like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and Frankenstein and then the crown on top being the immortal Hulk. I can't think of a better character to put in my top three. Yeah, I mean, what what Al Ewing did with that, it wasn't just what I would consider my favorite Hulk story line or title of all the all the previous Hulks. And I liked Red Hulk, and I liked uh, the 1970s Incredible Hulk, and I collected mm-hmm. Hulk through World War Hulk, and I love it. I love the Hulk. Mm-hmm. Immortal Hulk is on top of all the other Hulk stories, but it's also one of the best Marvel stories period in the past decade or more. And, and I think on the show, it, it's not only one of the few episodes where we've done a comic review uh, of a storyline and given it a, te- given it a perfect 20 SPC score in our episode 100. I'm pretty sure that we, that was in our top five. If not, I think it was like in the top three of episodes we've ever done. It, mm-hmm. it was just so perfectly done, which is so weird that Donnie Cates, when he switched to Al Ewing, when Al Ewing went to Venom and Donnie Cates went to Immortal Hulk, it wasn't it wasn't the same. But I mean mm-hmm. that that Al Ewing um, period of the Immortal Hulk with the introduction of the Green Door and the Devil Hulk, yes, perfect, yeah, yeah. no, the, no the one here. below all, like yeah. that is fantastic stuff. It's great comic, uh, great comic book uh, stories. It's a great Marvel story. And it's a great horror story. And if like if those three things, you know, be, between everything that I just mentioned uh, doesn't put him on uh, pretty high up, uh, then, you know, I I don't know what better to <laughs> what better to say about it than that. Yeah, my, my number two is and this is with a caveat. My number two is Ghost Rider. We couldn't avoid it. We couldn't avoid it. My number two is Ghost Rider. But. It's not just any ghostwriter. It's specifically Danny Ketch. Johnny Blaze gets a lot of credit simply because he was the first ghostwriter in comics. But everything that people love about ghostwriter is from the Danny Ketch era of ghostwriter, going all the way back to 1992's Ghostwriter issue one, introduction of Danny Ketch, from the awesome bike to the leather jacket. So his use of chains to him blowing fire out of his mouth to the penance stare to him being the true spirit of vengeance. Everything goes back to Danny catch. I collected the Danny catch era of ghost Rider, Like it, like the comics itself were like running, running out. Like I went back and I collected as many of those issues as possible. And, and what's crazy about it is that was one of the few times where they actually really tried to test the limits of how scary Ghost Rider could be because they introduced some haunting, 
haunting villains. That's when they brought in Lilith. That's when they bring in Blackout. That's when they bring in Death Watch. De- Death Watch is um, who I tried talking about earlier, who um, is responsible for Danny's sister being in a coma. Um, I mean, just so many. Uh, oh, that's when they bring in uh, Vengeance himself, who was basically like the, the Venom version of of Ghost Rider. <laughs> like everything people love about Ghost Rider is from the Danny Ketch era, whether they think about it or not. Uh, Johnny Blaze is a cool Ghost Rider, but everything that makes Johnny Blaze cool now was taken from Danny Ketch. So, um, and, and what I also really like, um, the Spirits of Vengeance storyline itself, which brought in Blade, which brought in the Darkhold, which brought in a newer version of Johnny Blaze, where he was also kind of like the Terminator and shit like that. Like, it was just wild. And Doctor Strange is one of my favorite story arcs ever that is what is the true basis for what marvel horror should be defined by if people want to go back and read on the marvel unlimited app or if you have the full story arc like me and paper copies that spirit of vengeance arc is one of the coolest freaking stories ever and it solidified ghost rider as a badass anti-hero who could be on the same level as Blade and Morbius back when Morbius was dripping of blood in the nineties when he was cool. Not like he is now. I mean, it's just, um, you know, I, I could not, I could not get enough of it. In fact, I have a feeling that Butch Hartman named Danny Phantom, Danny Phantom, because you see a lot of similarities between Danny Phantom on Nickelodeon and Danny catch the ghostwriter from the nineties. So Number two, Danny Ketch goes strong. Very strong, very strong contender. Uh, I, my number two um, is someone you all have already mentioned, um, and that is going to be Blade. Blade for me is, I think, um, I mean, like, for me, my introduction to Blade was not the movie. It was, like you mentioned before, um, the Spider-Man uh, animated uh, TV the laser show. Sword. <laughs> yeah, that was what made it cooler. It's like, yeah. oh, it has to be a laser for the kids, but it's like, but that's cooler. Yeah, it's. Uh, I I think that I think the Blade is the character that, like you like you mentioned before, I couldn't agree more with this. That like he is one of the most original Marvel characters. He is uh, an original like vampire character and he i think is one of the characters that really treats uh vampires the way that i think that they should be treated in the original vein of like dracula and and all of these these vampire stories that i just love i i think like the nosferatu dracula vein of of vampires is is the way that that those kind of stories uh, should be treated because for me those were always my favorite monsters uh as a kid because i thought that there was something so uh so fascinating and scary about having a a, a monster be basically a human and not just a human but someone who was um you know by by trade, someone who is very buttoned up and and carrying out in conversation and very sophisticated, but then in reality, uh, they the were monster. these the, not just any monster, but like the one who was often in control of everything, uh, which is a, a great analogy for. Uh, there's like plenty of like political analogies that you can make and and things like that. Um, and having Blade be a daywalker 
is such a cool twist on the the vampire uh lore um and having him use all the different uh, different weapons and and it's so creative uh and i couldn't agree more about uh what you said about how he's kind of like in that upper tier of um you know you have you have the hulk and you have uh, spider-man and you have iron man and all these original marvel characters well blade is very much in that in that same vein um and he did s- sort of kick off the the current uh superhero craze it, it wasn't spider-man uh even though he did dramatically accelerate it and there are things in that original spider-man movie that was horror inspired um like uh like the green goblin like i mentioned you know sam raimi just couldn't help himself um but uh but before spider-man before x-men it was blade uh and because of that i think that it it warrants a number two spot and plus like anyone who's fighting dracula the king of all uh anyone who's fighting the king of all monsters has to have a pretty strong uh, uh, uh landing on on a list like this so yeah my, my number two kind of speaks for itself my number two is hellboy if you want horror and you don't want to be disappointed you pick up a hellboy book hellboy is one of the only characters you can really pull you know pop in a movie and we don't talk about the david arbor version you can pop in the first Hellboy with Ron Perlman or Hellboy and the Golden Army, which I think is one of the best comic films ever made. It's in my top 10, Hellboy 2 and the Golden Army. Um, Hell- Hellboy is a monster for monster lovers with that Guillermo del Toro cinematic twist with that Mike Mignola comic book magic. Mm-hmm. It's hard to find anybody that that can top him in that. But, I mean, it's uh, – it, it, they're – it's so it's so weird because as often as many other characters kind of wane in popularity, I don't want to say Hellboy has ever been like super popular, but he's never lost his cult like fan base. Hellboy has such a hardcore fan base that I think if the comic book industry comic wise collapses, Dark Horse will still be pumping out Hellboy books. I can't say that about a lot of other books. Hellboy is just has such a committed fan base because they always just focus on that, you know, uh, that that Edgar Allan Poe, like that Lovecraftian horror element that kind of separates it from others because it's never been in the slasher camp. It's never really tried to pull in aliens and stuff like that. It's always very much focused on that Lovecraftian monster element with that Edgar Allan Poe setup that it's, I mean, the number one is a pure passion character for me or else it would have been Hellboy. The Hellboy is my number two. I, there, there are some, uh, some of the characters that you've included that are not on my list. Um, It's not because I disagree with anything that you said, but it's just because like, I never like, dove into them that much so i don't know nearly as much about them and hellboy is kind of in that category of like the cool character and i i always thought that he was um always thought that he was very well done especially with with ron perlman and um i didn't watch the david harbour one but i thought no it one great. did 
No one did. <laughs> I, I thought I thought he looked really good. He looked great, um, but no one liked that movie. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, like I mean, his name is literally Hellboy. So uh, that is, I think, a very worthy worthy inclusion. Um, but for me, my number one, one that you've already mentioned, uh, and uh, I don't think is going to be too controversial here, but I think that Ghost Rider is the ultimate. Uh, is the ultimate uh, horror character. Um, he takes the tail time of making a pact with the devil, and it turns him into one of the most badass characters in the entire, not even Marvel Universe. I'm not even going to say the entire Marvel Universe. I mean, like, everything. Just comics, period. Um, and what really elevates him for me similar to what Batman does is that Batman takes horror and crime noir and fuses it into one concrete storyline with some really interesting stuff. Ghost Rider does something similar, but instead of crime noir, it fuses horror and the Western, which are two of my absolute favorite genres. Uh, And fusing that into one and having like, vampires and demons and like the devil being your your arch nemesis (laughs) or so to speak you know i know that uh mephisto is not technically the uh the the official devil but he uh mark and i have been fighting about that for over a year now i think i think uh i think that the immortal hawk storyline with the one below all kind of clarifies that like Mephisto is not the official devil. They they had around the same time that, that was coming out, they had a Ghost Rider series out, I think 2019, 2020, where they straight up show Mephisto in the Garden of Eden. Mm. And that really messes things up. Yeah. Because I I I do not I, I agree that Mephisto in the Marvel universe is not Lucifer Satan. Because right. we've had Lucifer as a separate character from Mephisto in the Ghost Rider books. But they, I don't know if it's a lack of canon or whatever, but I've always. I mean, um, he's, he's definitely like Satan inspired if, if not the devil himself. Um, So that is not, uh, that is not, you know, I, whether or not he is the devil himself, I think is not the point um because like in the comics like this is like the most direct i mean what other what other what other uh hero in in comic books has like satan as his arch nemesis um not <laughs> not too many you may you may have a a better recollection than i do um but uh like ghost rider with Really, I'm not I'm not limiting myself to any particular one. I think that like Johnny Blaze, Danny Ketch, and even Robbie uh Robbie, Robbie Reyes, Reyes is, cool. is a great ghostwriter. Um I love the I love the car with the like I think that's awesome. Um and I think that uh his character specifically really plays into both the the western and the the horror very well. Um so all of those things combined really just I mean, like I, I can't think of a, of a of a better way to to round up to to my number one than a character like Ghost Rider. Yeah. No, I mean I, I, I dressed up as Ghost Rider as a kid for Halloween. I yeah. can't argue with that. 
My my next one, I, I want to caveat of this because for listeners of the show, I know what some of them might be thinking. Remzo, obviously John Constantine is number one on your list or else you would have mentioned him earlier. Here's the truth about Constantine. I like Constantine as a demonologist, warlock, sorcerer, exorcist. I I collected the Hellblazer and the um the Constantine books. I'm I don't like them. I I think I think some of the stuff from the 90s when he looked like Sting, I think that was cool. But <laughs> I really can't say that there's anything recently and I'm even including Justice League Dark. I think he's cool. But if you're cool, if you're only cool because you're with Batman and Batman makes you look cool, I, I think that's, that's wrong. Yeah, I think I have true. always liked the idea of Constantine more than I've really liked Constantine the character. And that goes for the Keanu Reeves film, which is getting a sequel. So, I mean, that's my that, thing. Yeah. Like, I can't honestly, authentically say that John Constantine is my favorite because – I really can't point out to anything that really stands out other than he looks cool and he's had some cool things and there are things I like about him. So I can't authentically say that. I like the idea of him kind of like the, everyone kind of has that one character where it's like, they like the idea of them, but they can't really speak out to them. And I've tried. I really have. I've spent some money on Hellblazer and Constantine books and I've just never like, it's never really stuck to me. So my number one is, the crow mm. James O'Barr's the crow is one of the saddest, most hauntingly horror and violent filled books ever. And the crow movie, and, and I'll go on the record and say this. Now the crow movie is the most, is the most faithfully adapted comic book film ever made. And when you add in the tragedy of the death of Brandon Lee, I mean, just from from comic to film, both of those things stand on their own. You've got a guy who is brought back from the dead after he and his fiance are murdered. He goes on a violent vengeance killing spree. He's kind of like, I mean, the way he moves and fights, he's like daredevil. He's he, I mean, you can't tell if he's a good guy. He falls into the realm of like a ghost rider spawn. He speaks in riddles. I mean, you can't kill him. He's got powers out his ass. Um, the Crow one and the Crow two City of Angels. City of Angels is really good. City of Angels goes into some really wild stuff when they bring in the new character to be the crow. Um, he's killed as well as his son is also murdered by a gang. I mean, those crow movies are are hardcore. Wicked Prayer and a few others. I mean, they're not as great, but um, I was really upset when Jason Momoa passed on being um, the crow in the in the upcoming remake. I, I think they got somebody from Fast and Furious. They got the, the guy who plays Jason Statham's brother in the Fast and Furious films, I think is lined up to be the crow. Or it was going to be one of the Skarsgård brothers. It's somebody. Like, they've all been thrown up there. But, um, I mean, the the Crow is just, like, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't put anything above it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I, uh, like, I, I know the background of, of the tragedy behind, you know, behind the set and everything like that. Um, I don't know that I've sat down and watched 
Dude, uh, the if entire there's, thing. If there's two but... things I recommend to you at the end of this, go read Hellboy Volume 1, Seed of Destruction, and watch The Crow, especially during the month of October. Yeah. Watch The Crow with your fiance, sit her down, be like, we have to watch this <laughs> masterpiece. It is good. It's hard to watch sometimes. There are some things in there that are hard to watch, especially if you know the scene where Brandon Lee is shot. That's really sad. It, mm-hmm. But what's crazy is his stuntman, um, not only did he go through like extensive voice work to sound like Brandon Lee, that was one of the first cases where you had limited amounts of CGI placed over another actor's face mm-hmm. to make him look like Brandon Lee. And he's in the last, I think, 15, 20 minutes of the film is when the stunt devil, you know, is in his place. But uh, I mean, yeah, the, the crow is cinematically. It looks like it was a film made in the early 2000s. It doesn't look like a 90s movie. It's almost like if Tim Burton just went like full on crazy and wanted to turn, you know, I mean, I would almost equate it to it looks almost like 2021's The Batman. It almost looks like that in many ways. It is scary. It is is awesome. It's like Daredevil. It's like so many things it is it is awesome the crow is number one on my list all right yeah i think that um that's a pretty good list on on both of our both of our ends um i uh i don't think that there's anything that i would change too much uh there might be a few reshufflings on the bottom um i had to take out morbius yeah i take out morbius i already gave my explanation for john constantine he's cool in the animated films i think matt ryan is a great is the is the best version of constantine on screen and i'm I'm putting him above keanu reeves because the keanu reeves constantine is just so drastically different but uh yeah i mean those were those are the only two yeah i i um I my th- I think my top five are pretty solid. Um, I'm I'm not necessarily sold on the the ranking of the way I did my bottom five. Um, there might be a few reshufflings here and there, but um, I'm I'm pretty sold on on that list. Pretty well, horrifying. Folks, pretty horrifying <laughs> in all the best ways. Well, folks, do you agree with Caleb and I? Go ahead and argue with us on Twitter. You can go ahead and find me at. Hey, Remzo, or also go ahead and tag Second Print Pod. Caleb, if people have a bone to pick with your list, where can they find you? You can send all your hate mail to me at uh, Caleb Franz on Twitter. Shoot me a DM and we'll talk about horror. Well, folks, who's your top 10 or top five? If you want to get super narrow, let us know. Until next time, if there's one thing I can tell you, it's this. Regardless of any season, regardless of where you are and what lurks at night. It's read comics and change the world. Good night, America. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place 
to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.